Thank you for joining us. Uh, today we're going to talk about diversity through the lens of economic class and how that plays out in business and in the workplace. Many times we'll talk about race or we'll talk about gender in the workplace, but rarely do we talk about economic class. Right now with the unemployment rate as it is, we really can't afford to lose any more employees. We can't afford the turnover. We can't afford the lack of productivity. So how does economic class play into that? How does it create friction? How can it create divide in the workplace? And we're really going to talk about the use and the access of resources um, in the business of our, around our employees. And then James is going to come in and James and Kelly are going to talk about how an employer resource network can really help stabilize a business um, <clears throat> along the way. So if you are a Bridges community, you are familiar with this mental model of instability, um, knowing that relationships is a driving force as well as survival and entertainment. Rarely in this circle do you get to make plans for tomorrow or have those future dreams and future stories. There's not many times that luxury of planning backwards. We know that individuals that live in daily instability are problem solvers. They're solving problems all day long. They're living in what we call that tyranny of the moment. We also know that this circle, this environment, creates a lot of pain for the business and for a person who is trying to keep a job and be an employee. If we take agency time, the time that is needed to get our needs met, when are most agencies open? Carol Stiegman, who is a client of AHA Process, told me that in her lowest time of instability, she was seeing 20 agencies a month. Now, if you are trying to work first shift and you're trying to get your basic needs met, and most of you are saying that these agencies are open from 9 to 5, then you're going to leave work to get your basic needs met. Have you ever had an employee that you thought just went to lunch and they didn't come back in the afternoon? It could be that they were going to get their basic needs met. Transportation. Have you ever had an employee that says they're late because their ride didn't show? I work with a group in Memphis. They offered a woman a job. She said, I have to think about that. It would take me three buses to get there. What does three buses do to your morning commute? It means that you have to leave early. It means that if one bus is late, then your second, your third bus schedule is all um, in a mess. What about employees that you think might not be motivated only to find out they're not getting the right kind of nutrition and pro uh, protein in their diet? These are all pains that this environment creates for employees living in daily instability. Then we have the mental model of stability, where achievement and work are the driving forces. And in this mental model, this is where most businesses operate. 
In this model, we have careers, not jobs. We work long hours because we know that's what's required for our stability, or we're eyeing that next promotion. We are very future-oriented in this circle, and that's what business is operating from. So when you have an employee coming from this mindset and habit of this model coming into this circle, then there are going to be some misunderstandings um, and, and between those two groups of people. In the mental model for long-term stability, we know it's the financial, the political, social connection. I had coffee with a woman in Denver. She was uh, grew up in this world of connection and was sliding back into the world of achievement. It was like she was in both worlds, but no longer felt comfortable in 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 either one. She no longer had the financial, political, social connections. She did not understand the world of achievement and work. The bottom line is that in our businesses, we have employees, owners, funders, investors that are from each of these circles. And if we don't talk about diversity through the lens of economic class, then rarely do we understand the mindsets and the habits of an employee, a coworker that comes from the other, another environment. And the reality at work is, on the left side, are the employees coming from daily instability? Are the right side, are those employees that are in management or in owner? you know, owners. It's concrete versus abstract in our thinking. What is a strategic plan anyway? Many times entry-level, low-wage employees feel powerless. Management owners feel powerful, unstable versus predictable. And we can really debate that, right? Um, these are patterns. These are patterns. I worked for a company once and their acronym was CSM. As a regional manager, we called them constantly short of money. In the end, before they filed for bankruptcy, they were kiting funds. What is kiting? So they were not predictable. They did not have a long view or financial stability. They were also living in the tyranny of the moment. So again, these are patterns. These are patterns. And everybody is a problem solver. It's just that some is reactive and some is proactive. We know that the cost of turnover really plays into a business's success. And this is one way that the employer resource network really, really helps a business. Sherm says that it's $4,100, the Society for Human Resource Management. Now, hard costs, those are very easy to measure, right? You know the you know the hourly wage, you know the cost of the uniform, you know the cost of the drug test. The soft cost, that gets into productivity. And it's just not the productivity of the employee, but it also includes the coworker and the supervisor. 
So as we talk with our businesses using 4100, and some surveys say it's 75% of an annual wage. Another survey I read said it's $11,000. I think it depends on how technical the business is. But you can use the basic number of 4000 to help a company determine what their turnover is and what they're letting walk out the door. When they're letting that walk out the door, most times they're hiring a person that has the same mindset and the habit back into that role. So let's help stabilize. Fred Keller from Cascade Engineering, when he started using this work, he said that uh, he was at 29% retention. And once they start implemented, started training, finding pathways for promotion, and doing an employer resource network, their retention went to 71%. And James has statistics that he will share with us that are even better than that. Fred even says uh, that they saved 2.4 million. Now, I don't know. He's a private company. If that's 1%, if that's 10%, but we would all take 2.4 million in our budgets. Susan Villano, who at the time I talked to her was an HR manager of a cleaning company, she's, I said to her, why do you work on stability? And she said, because a happy employee equals a happy client. We know that the unspoken cues and habits of a group really play into the environment. And again, business is operating most often with the hidden rules of stability or of middle class. Uh, again, when I talked to Carol Stiegman and when I talked to her about money, she said to me, I knew that in my job it was no longer okay for me to cut my own hair but I didn't have that $25 for a haircut. She said, I knew it was no longer okay for me to, to wear blue jeans, but I didn't have money to buy black slacks. So the hidden rule, she understood the hidden rule, but she still, money was still an issue for her. There are also hidden rules in the workplace of the company. And it can be as simple as you parked your car in the wrong parking place or you took the wrong elevator. The more resources that our employees have, the, at a higher level they can contribute. We know that daily instability is the extent to which an individual can do without resources. So the more an individual has, the higher level that they can contribute to their personal success and the success of a company. I had an, an HR manager once. She was really good. And we were working for a small company, so I kept encouraging her to go back and get her master's degree. And then after she got her master's degree, I encouraged her to go get a job in a larger company where her expertise, where she could write more of her future story. But the more resources an individual has, the more that they can contribute. Once we understand the diversity through the lens of economic class, then we can do things differently in the business. Most times, and this is not negative, it's just the reality, most times 
our company benefits, policies, procedures, training programs are developed by the big shots. But now that we understand, we can create, we can do, you know, a client life cycle and the client being our employee. Everything from this is what happened when they uh, applied for a job, this is onboarding. We can go through those things and talk about different things that can be done in a company. And one of those different things is getting ahead in the workplace. And we suggest that you partner with, uh, that a business partner with a nonprofit in the community to offer this. So that employees can investigate for themselves what it is they would like to do to stabilize. When we take the getting ahead um, survey report from Charity Tracker, and this is 221 graduates, we see that the resources of all those graduates have improved. And when we look at the stability, we see that they all report that their stability has improved as well. And this is not to so that we can get better employees. It's so that our employees can contribute at a higher level and have that satisfaction for themselves. It does play into retention rates. The other thing that we know really works is an employer resource network. And that's why we have James and Kelly on here today, so that we can hear it from um, the individuals that have, I don't, uh, James can tell us how many years he's been doing this, but it's been a long time. It's really great to see how the resource networks have grown, and uh, and he'll show you that return on investment as well. So welcome to James and Kelly. Thank you, Ruth. So the, uh, the business side of things, when we talk to HR uh, folks and um, CEOs, uh, kind of remind me of this quote from Tom Friedman from The World is Flat, where the, uh, the workplace is no longer as stable as it used to be. You know, years ago, it used to be that your grandfather worked at GM, your mom worked at GM, you work at GM, your kids are going to work at GM, and you basically find a job and you stay with a job. Um, but, you know, that there is now a new social contract where, you know, when we have employees, we have to really focus on how do we help them develop those resources, but also the skills so that they become better employees. But then if they move on, that they have... Uh, a guarantee of lifetime employment as opposed to just staying with one company. Um, and I think that's really where we call this a private-public partnership where, uh, as an employer, we're partnering back with social service agencies and government agencies to try to, to make that effective. ERN USA is kind of an outgrowth of Michigan ERN. Uh, we started, uh, my role started back in 2000 when I was VP of HR for a manufacturing company in Grand Rapids. Uh, when we kind of designed the first uh, iteration of this, um, 2008, uh, it was refined into what is now known as the Employer Resource Network model. Um, and since then, we've grown to about 12 ERNs in Michigan. Uh, I think we're over 20 ERNs now nationally. 
more than 130 employers across uh, manufacturing, healthcare, hospitality, social services, uh, and more than 50,000 employees uh, having access to a success coach on-site at employment. So where Ruth was talking about somebody having to take off after lunch to go access agencies, the employers see the uh, the workplace, they have a captive audience for eight to 10 hours a day. So if we can bring those resources into the workplace, uh, we can help our employees solve those issues. So again, my name, James Vanderholst, um, Chief Disruptive Officer that was given to me by a CEO in Milwaukee. Uh, he said, you get to come in, bring the partners together and be disruptive because innovation doesn't typically happen in major systems. If you look at Apple and Facebook and all of the startup companies, they start up as small companies outside and then they have systems impact as they, they grow. Um, and so I come in and I help them disrupt the way things were working. Uh, and he said, if, if it doesn't work, you're the outsider that messed things up. I don't have to burn my political capital. Uh, but if it works, then we've got the chance to create something that's collaborative and hopefully grows to the point of uh, creating systems change. Uh, and then I have with me Kelly Adams. She's our lead success coach in Southwest Michigan, uh, and she's going to be covering some of the slides. Sad. Hi, good morning. So let's first define an employer resource network. Uh, again, it's demand driven, uh, but we're strategically partnering with nonprofits and uh, the public sector. Uh, our ERNs are typically five to 10 employers, depending on the employer size. Uh, we have examples in Grand Rapids and um, Detroit, and I think in Saginaw, uh, where you've got some larger employers, so they each want a day a week of the coach or you know multiple uh, timeshares, whereas up in Lettington, Michigan, we've got 12 employers because they're smaller employers. So it's really getting that critical mass uh, with a group of companies. Uh, we try to identify common uh, needs around retention, uh, training, advancement, uh, career laddering. Um, and then we use a neutral administrator. Uh, so the employers really, when an employee comes in with a challenge um, that they're dealing with in their life, uh, there's a tentative situation where HR, even though they're caring, can't get into a lot of detail with their employee. So. Uh, what we're trying to do is to get this outside the corporate veil so that somebody who is a subject matter expert can help the employee, because uh, in most cases, HR is not a social worker or tied to that uh, nonprofit uh, system. Um, and we try to find a neutral administrator so that, you know, it's a neutral table for all three sectors, public, private, and nonprofit, to come to the table and try to innovate uh, outside of their silos. Uh, the success coaching, we found it most successful when we can embed the coach on site at the employer. And so as Ruth was talking earlier, uh, I think it was slide two when we're looking at uh, instability, uh, individuals coming out of poverty, according to Ruby Payne's book, are more relational. And so expecting an employee to call a 1-800 number to ask for assistance or 211, even though that's a great resource, we found by having the coach on site and being able to build a relationship of trust that we have a much higher uptake of uh, employees coming to the success coach. And to the extent we can embed it into the HR process, we can start working proactively at solving some of those issues early on if they get a verbal warning or attendance points 
before they get into a potential job loss. Um, we work with employees across the wage continuum. So even though today we're focused on uh, instability, um, there is situational instability. Probably 40, 50% of the employees the Success Coach works with um, is receiving some form of public assistance. Uh, probably another 35 to 40% are individuals which uh, in many states, uh, the United Ways have come out with this ALICE report, Assets Limited Income Constrained Employed. So they're just beyond the public benefit cliff, but they're still living paycheck to paycheck uh, and don't have a stable uh, budget. And then we do see, you know, 10, 15 percent uh, of even management um, where you have a $80,000 a year manager. Um, again, if you look back at uh, the slides that Ruth had showed about instability and stability, when you're in stability, you're adding in additional things like uh, camps and things for kids. You've got an $80,000 year manager. They're going through a divorce. Now they're facing how do you uh, go into that instability mindset? And you may have to cut some of those things that you were used to in stability. So the coach really needs to be available to everybody in the organization um, as we're offering this as an employee benefit. Uh, instead of saying these are our employees that need uh, assistance. So the employer doesn't want to segregate their workforce in that way. Um, so we also try not to duplicate anything that exists. So we're not trying to do the workforce development role. We're not trying to do the community college role. We're focusing primarily on the incumbent workers, those that are already working at the companies. And how do we, from day one to as long as they're there, support them and help them be successful? Uh, the way we kind of cost this out is we break this up into shares of time. Um, that's been the most effective for us. So a smaller employer may need a half a share. A mid-sized employer may need a share of time, which we consider four hours a week. A larger company buys multiple shares, and like hospitals may need two or three days. Um, and then in 2016, on average, uh, we were looking at about a 98% retention rate of those that have seen the success coach. Uh, so comparing that back against the company's overall uh, turnover retention rate, um, we're finding that we're much more successful at uh, keeping employees if uh, we are able to uh, intervene with a success coach. And uh, there was about a 350% return on investment. We were still using the uh, the old number of 3,500 is the average cost of turnover based on some analysis that the WE Upjohn Institute for Employment Research did for us uh, about eight years ago. So we'll have to update that to the new uh, new numbers. So again, similar to Ruth's slide, you know, when we're looking at the the focuses, you know, the employee is dealing with all these issues of instability. Um, and if you look at this list, uh, many of these are the resources or lack of resources, uh, again in slide two, where childcare, transportation, uh, health issues, housing, financial pressures. And on the employer side, you know, employers are focused on performance and productivity. And so if we're able to help the employees solve these issues on the left, the employers are, are seeing increased productivity, reduced absenteeism, you know, increased utilization of an EAP or employee assistance program which we can explain that a little bit differently. Um, and really on this journey of becoming an employer of choice. So not just giving somebody a job, but really trying to help them be successful. 
So a question that I, I pose to most of the companies when I uh, do an initial presentation in the last week, month, six months, have you seen any of these or had any of these issues come up? And universally, um, we have almost every company say, yeah, we've had employees struggling with these, these issues. Uh, the interesting one we added on the bottom, uh, leave for another job due to workplace culture. Um, you know, we are looking at if we see a lot of issues with a certain area, we do feedback to the HR department, hey, you know, there may be a training opportunity with a supervisor because if you have turnover in one department or one area, you know, maybe there's not a good fit as far as, you know, the supervisor not having the skills they need to be a good effective leader. Uh, the other one, an employee quitting due to a wage or hour increase. Um, many in the hospitality industry, uh, we have the Radisson in Kalamazoo as a, uh, a member in the Southwest Michigan ERN. The employees will say, don't give me any more hours because I'll lose my daycare benefit. Or if you give me that 50 cent raise, I'm going to lose this benefit and it's a negative incentive for them. And so they either quit or they ask for um, the raise not to happen. So when we were designing the model uh, in my HR role, we looked back at our um, traditional benefits or the role of HR. Uh, we're compliance, we're arbitrating employee issues, uh, managing training and development, and then administering benefits and employee handbook. Um, and those four are the traditional uh, benefits that most companies have. But when we looked at the utilization of those, um, we very quickly found that, you know, we have the carpet side and the concrete side of the manufacturing company that I was with. And, you know, the carpet side, we have to have a Cadillac health benefit and a good 401k plan and tuition reimbursement. But 80, 90% of our employees were production focused and nobody used tuition reimbursement. Nobody used the employee assistance program because they didn't trust that HR wasn't getting a report back on them. Very few of them used the 401k. And so we looked at our benefits and said, what can we create that's really going to add value for the employee? And so that's really where the success coach comes in to um, giving them access to those resources in the community to help them solve those work-life balance issues was really the, uh, the benefit that was uh, appreciated by the employees. So what does that all cost? Again, you know, SHRM calculates 41.25 as the cost of turnover uh, on average in the country um, across industries. Uh, a Gallup poll uh, said about 34% of families worry about making their next mortgage or rent payment. And so if somebody's worried about an eviction or becoming homeless or having to move on in with their parents or onto a, a family member's couch, they're not going to be focused on their work. Um, Sherm did another study where they found that a, a disengaged employee is 28% less productive than an engaged employee. Um, OSHA did a study, you know, if somebody's distracted, they're 27% more likely to have a workplace accident. Um, and so these are real costs that an employer uh, may see within uh, their workforce uh, if their employees are, again, not focused on their work. So in Michigan, uh, we were doing a little analysis with the state. Uh, the red line is uh, the poverty level across the recession. Uh, and then the black line and bars is the uh, unemployment rate. So I think now in Michigan, we're 
under 3.5% unemployment, uh, but the poverty is still uh, remaining high. And so it shows that individuals in the workplace are uh, struggling more than they did before the recession and maybe working an extra job or uh, really struggling, um, again, paycheck to paycheck. So again, Alice uh, did a, some research. Uh, the federal, federal poverty uh, line is the top one. Uh, they calculate for a family of four, uh, 53,000 as a survival budget. Uh, and if you look at uh, those bars um, in those categories, again, those are the resource areas uh, that would cause instability for uh, many families. Uh, and then this was validated or similar studies were done by MIT and EPI. Um, and so really understanding where the employee um, is uh, financially helps us identify, you know, the opportunities for intervention and uh, providing resources. So I'll turn it over to Kelly to talk a little bit more about the success coach role. Good morning. Um, so my name is Kelly and I am a success coach here in Kalamazoo with the Employer Resource Network. And a little bit about my role as a success coach. Um, you know, I'm I'm there to support employees um, by, you know, identifying barriers or challenges that could be preventing them from being successful at work. So really there to work through those issues with them and help them through that process to eliminate those barriers. Each success coach has dedicated on-site hours at each member company. Typically, uh, that's a four-hour time frame per week. Um, I know that differs slightly um, throughout each ERN, but um, it, the coach is always available to the employee outside of those worksite hours as well. So they're able to connect with their coach by email or by text or, of course, phone call. Um, you know, they're also employees that may be not comfortable meeting with their coach on site. So the coach can coordinate a meeting outside of the workplace as well to um, meet with that employee, whatever whatever the employee is most comfortable with. So oftentimes, uh, employees meet with the coach, and they're they're coming from that place of daily instability. And so the coach will meet with the employee, identify what those challenges are, uh, and what barriers are causing the workplace instability. Then the coach can problem solve alongside with that employee come up with a resolution and identify the appropriate resources so that employee can get the help that they need. So essentially, the, the coach is there throughout the entire process with the employee from start to finish, so they have that ability to follow up with that employee to make sure that those issues are actually resolved. Um, each coach is an expert in resources in their community, so they have, you know, quite a bit of knowledge uh, as far as what is available to those employees. The success coaches are a valuable resource to the human resources teams. And, you know, they it's really interesting to see how the different teams actually incorporate their success coach in some of their policies and, you know, um, different things. An example may be uh, a, an employee may be having attendance issues or um, they're maxed out in points. And at that point, the HR member can come in and say, you know, we're going to put you on a performance improvement plan. And part of that 
is to meet with your coach X amount of times throughout the next three to six months. So um, that way the coach can identify what those barriers actually are and try to eliminate those so they can be successful in their position and be as productive as possible. Um, lastly, you know, the conversations that take place with the success coaches are all confidential. Um, of course, if there's a safety issue or, or a threat to the company, of course, at that point we would um, interact with the HR team, but um, those conversations are confidential. So the employee feels comfortable sitting down with their coach um, in a non-judgmental environment and they're able to speak honestly and freely, freely about what is going on in their lives and get to the root of the issue of what's causing um, the challenges. Uh, so in a, on a monthly basis, our ERNs will meet and all of the member, sorry, I apologize. <laughs> all of the member companies will come, come together um, and they're there to hear a monthly performance dashboard which is presented by the success coach. Um, it gives them an opportunity to discuss any trending issues uh, or potential gaps that are taking place in the community. Um, it helps connect them with communities, other agencies. You know, we often have speakers um, and different people that come in each month and kind of talk about different programs in the community and how they can help and how it relates directly to the different fields that are at the table at the monthly meetings. Um, some of those examples would be daycare, transporta transportation, loan and savings programs. So we often find that the companies do have a lot in common and are facing a lot of the same challenges. So they're able to kind of brainstorm and, and get together and talk about those things. So an example of our monthly dashboard. But so this is a snapshot of what we're reporting out on on a monthly, on a monthly basis and the types of things that we're tracking. Um, so what, what you're seeing here is a dashboard specific to Kalamazoo, and you'll see on the left a list of all of the ERN participating companies. So we're looking at the services that are delivered to the employee per month as well as a year-to-date count. So we're, we're tracking what types of services those are, whether it's auto repair, child care requests, um, financial literacy, transportation, those so sort of things. So. Um, we're definitely taking a closer look at that. So we're, we're also tracking requests by source. So, you know, we, we often receive referrals from the HR manager or the supervisor, um, as well as coworkers and a lot of self-referrals. So, of course, we, we encourage our HR and supervisors to, to make those referrals because it really, it really shows that uh, they have an awareness of their employee uh, if, if they're, you know, showing unusual behavior or they're just not quite acting right, um, you know, that they're able to identify that and make that referral to their success coach. We track the how many times each employee is requesting help from their success coach. Um, as you can see, we have what we call frequent flyers. So once those employees build those relationships with their success coach and they're comfortable. They they often do return um, for multiple services 
And so we, we, we definitely um, appreciate that. We track retention percentages as well as util utilization of the program. Um, this is an important section for our member companies so they're able to see how many of their employees are utilizing the program and their success coach and how many of those employees are staying employed. So that's it's really important for those companies to see um, the return on investment. So we, we also have uh, a loan program specifically in Kalamazoo um, where it's a bridge loan, hardship loan, and we'd like to track as far as how much money is being dispersed each month um, and, and what types of things employees are using those loans for. Um, we, as you can see, there's different graphs specific to the one I was speaking of. Uh, you know, we're, we're tracking trend lines from the current fiscal year to the previous fiscal year. So we can kind of see, you know, where those trends are at and what times of year the employees are, are requesting these uh, loans and such. Uh, later on, we'll talk a little bit more about that loan savings program um, and, and you know if you have any questions at that point we're able to answer those. Lastly on the dashboard to the far right you'll be able to see the different types of services that are being requested by the employees. It's not limited to but this is our most common request um, and you know we have it broke down per company so that way each company has an idea of what types of needs their employees specifically are having so the employers really really like um, to see this part of the dashboard so they're able to get an idea of what their employees are in need of. We like to include which is my favorite part uh, a couple of the success stories from that that month that we're reporting out on so of course we can't fit them all on here so we'd like to include just a few that way you know it, it, we like to brag about you know our, our employees successes and be able to share that with their employers and of course it's confidential so even though we're telling a story specific to an employee uh, no one in the room is aware of what particular employee is is being discussed Hey, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about that loan and savings program that I referred to on the dashboard. Um, so if, if an employee is having a hardship, whether you know they're, they're in a situation where they need a car repair or a home repair, um, you know, basically an emergent kind of situation, they, they have the ability, if they're eligible, to apply for what's called a bridge loan. Uh, in order to be eligible, you have to be employed at that member company for at least one year and be in good standing. Um, the repayment of the loan is a direct deduction right out of the, the paycheck, so you know that um, it, it is coming out. They can't make changes to it, so the bank is getting their payment each time that employee is getting paid. So the coach will meet with the employee, um, go over a budget, uh, you know, do some financial coaching, and, and, and make sure there aren't any other resources that are available to them, that this is kind of a last resort um, in getting the help that they need. So a really neat part of this program is there's a savings component to it. So there's a mandatory $10 per week savings 
that goes into a savings account that cannot be accessed until the loan is paid off in full. So after 12 months, essentially, if you're receiving that $1,000 loan maximum, you have $520 in the bank that you, you can then access. Um, of course, we encourage people to continue to save for situations like this, but at that point, it, they are free to do with what they please. Um, there's not, you know, normally if you're going to go into a bank and try to get a loan, you have to have a pretty good credit history. With this program, it'll, it allows a little bit more flexibility in that regard. So they may, they may have a very colorful credit history, um, but that's not going to prevent them from getting approved for the loan. Um, this is a way for them to build their credit as well as save money and get them out of that hardship situation. Yep. So in, they can't be an act of bankruptcy, uh, obviously. Um, but this is, was really designed to, you know, over a period of time, help change behavior. So instead of just giving them access to credit, you know, we're really focused on the coaching piece as well to make sure that they're continuing to, to make uh, progress. And so we started the program here in Michigan back in uh, February of 2012. And since then, we've done over a million dollars in loans um, with over 100,000 in savings and less than a 2% uh, default or loss rate across that span of time. Um, I see a couple questions here. Um, here in Michigan, uh, the loan um, interest rate uh, varies. We've got, I think, nine financial partners, typically credit unions and uh, uh, community banks. Uh, I think at the top end, we're at about 11.9% uh, interest. Um, and then we have one community bank that's doing it for 5.9%. And so, yes, it's a little bit riskier. It's a little bit higher, but compared to a few of the other um, options, obviously payday loans are four to 600%. Um, we actually had a, an employee of one of the members of this ERN was taking two days a week off or two days a month off of work, going to a, a check cashing place, paying the $600 back, spending $70 to re-borrow it, going to a second check cashing place, doing the same thing, going to a third check cashing place, doing the same thing. So they're getting attendance points for two days a month. Uh, financially, they're stressed. Uh, and he was doing that because his spouse did not know that he had taken the loans out. And so by sitting down with the coach, they were able to consolidate that, make room in his budget, uh, take the $1,000 plus some additional money they freed up to get him out of that trap and got him on a plan to, to pay it back over a year at a reasonable interest rate compared to what he was in. So, uh, and as Kelly said, each employee does have to sit down with the coach, so that's mandatory. Uh, we don't want to advise somebody to, to take on debt if they don't have to. Uh, and I saw Kathy Conklin from the Great Lakes Bay ERN is is uh, on the webinar as well. Uh, give her a shout out. In her ERN, they had one uh, employee that came to the success coach, needed a car repair, um, wanted to take out the loan. Um, they uh, coach said, you know, get a couple quotes. So one quote was $1,900, one was $1,700. Kathy's team knew of a faith-based car repair place that could do it for 900 some dollars. And so they were able to do that. And they had other funds available so that the employee didn't even need to take the loan out. And so by sitting down with a coach and looking at all those options, uh, they were able to solve the problem without taking on the money. 
but if the resources aren't there, they have the loan available as a uh, an option, uh, but we wanna make sure that it's uh, in the best interest of the employee. So some continued program innovations, uh, the hardship loan program, all the ERNs uh, have uh, that as a component. Um, transportation, uh, driven to succeed, uh, mobile rideshare app, uh, we're in the process of working on that. We did the Android application here in, in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Kathy's group is, is helping us uh, develop the uh, iOS for the uh, iPhone. And so over the next uh, few months, we're hoping to prototype that in those two ERNs. Uh, I know Schenectady had worked on a van program and I saw uh, Tanya is on the webinar as well. Um, they had a pilot program where they actually had the van drivers uh, as a, trained as success coaches. So when they were giving employees rides, uh, they weren't able to sustain that because that was or that was funded by grant money, but uh, there was some learning from that that they have been willing to share with others. Um, and then I guess this is all be driven was uh, Great Lakes Bay. Uh, that has kind of evolved into a partnership with their mass transit where they've actually expanded coverage on a door to door service uh, based on the needs the employers had. But that was a two to three year process where the employers really engaged in what were some of the challenges and needs and Kathy's group as the administrators of the ERN really bringing the partners to the table to try to figure that out. Now I think they've got a sustainable program that uh, would not have happened two or three years ago. Uh, Childcare partnerships, again Kathy's group partnered with a local uh, daycare to go uh, offer 24-hour daycare because that was a need of some of their employers. Uh, Mason County, Michigan had something similar. Uh, we're exploring that down in Battle Creek, Michigan with a couple providers and employers to really try to, to solve that issue because there's a gap, uh, health and wellness, uh, budgeting, finance. Um, and then here in Kalamazoo, again, we have a grant where we're trying to get all the companies working on career laddering. So not just getting somebody employed, but as part of that, working towards stability, how do we get employees to take additional training and be able to move up within the company to more of a sustainable wage? Um, recruiting essential skills, uh, shared seat training, many of the ERNs are doing that. I know we had 14 of our coaches uh, went through Ruth's training to become workplace stability trainers. We see that as a great opportunity to educate the supervisors on the challenges of their workforce. So then they are better equipped to um, refer their employees when they see a challenge. Again, they don't wanna necessarily get into their employee's business, but if they see somebody struggling, they can, as part of their culture, say, hey, we've got the success coach, You know, Kelly may be able to help you with that. So, and I'd just like to leave you with this, uh, this quote from uh, Jim Goodnight, the CEO of SAS. Um, you know, he says, 95% of my assets drive out of the gate every evening, and it's his job to maintain a work environment that keeps those people coming back every morning. And so, again, as I talk to companies across the country, you know, if I ask them what's their greatest asset, they always say it's their people. And so, you know, from a business perspective, we figured out ways to institute preventative maintenance programs in manufacturing or preventative healthcare. The success coach is really a way for us to, to work on, you know, preventing instability in the workplace, because if we can intervene at the first couple attendance points instead of a last chance, 
we can hopefully, you know, do kind of a quasi human resource Kaizen event and try to wrap the services around to make sure that we remove the barrier and give them every opportunity for success. And so uh, again, you know, these are a, a sampling, each ERN kind of has their own identity and you know that's what really keeps it employer driven because the employers and the strategic partners really own the employer resource network and drive the the day-to-day -day or month-to-month -month, uh performance of it so with that i'll turn it back to ruth thanks to both of you um we have a few questions yet for you guys um one is what happens to the loan if the employee leaves the company due to unforeseen reasons? So the reason we added in the um, the savings component, so that's in a frozen savings account. So if an employee takes out $1,000, leaves employment after six months, the employer has no guarantee. So uh, it's up to the credit union or the financial partner to recoup that. Uh, the loan is actually written in as collateral on the loan application. So that $260 that they would have saved gets applied to the open balance of the loan to help mitigate any risk for the financial partner. So, but we have seen where the credit union has worked with the employee, with their new employer to reestablish direct deposit and to continue that repayment. What tool are you using to track? So, we started out uh, using Excel, like a lot of uh, small innovations, uh, as we grew to two or three ERNs here in Michigan, uh, we decided to move to using uh, salesforce.com as our uh, data tracking system. And so now all the ERNs, the 12 ERNs in Michigan are all using Salesforce. We've got a common database so we can do benchmarking. Everybody is using the same performance metrics and, and dash, monthly dashboard. Um, Ohio and Indiana and one of the sites in New York are also using it. I know uh, the Schenectady area ERN, uh, they have I think four in their group in the capital region uh, will be uh, starting that up. Um, and so we make that available to the ERNs that are connected to our network. So at a cost obviously for a license, but it's cheaper to buy a license then to have to design your own database. Yeah, yeah. And you work uh, primarily with banks or credit unions or both? So we found that, you know, somebody that is uh, local to the community has typically been easier. Uh, we had some some challenges with the some prime lending uh, aspects coming out of the recession that, you know, the larger banks like the Chases or the Fifth Thirds um, or PNC we weren't really able to structure something because they don't want to do a small project for somebody that their market is so large. Credit unions typically have smarter, smaller charter areas like a county or two or three counties, uh, and we found that to be effective or, again, like a community bank that, again, is chartered for uh, that community versus statewide or national. Um, there, there is, I, I totally recommend that local route. Um, there is a national group. The uh, True Connect is True an Connect. online. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, and their, their interest rate is a little bit larger, but if you're having problems establishing those local uh, banks and credit unions, then you might look at True Connect 
um, and they'll also be at the conference. I want to go up to the question from Tom about drug testing. How do you guys, how do your companies handle um, drug testing? What are you seeing? That's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had uh, one of Kathy's employers uh, had posed the question, and so we, I sent out an email to the 90-some, I think it was over 100 employers in the ERN network in, in Michigan, uh, just to the HR folks saying, what are your policies? Are they changing? Because Michigan is a medical marijuana state. Uh, everybody's concerned about the opioid crisis. And so I think I get about 25% uh, response from the group within a matter of four hours. And so we're currently aggregating that. Most have not changed their policy. So there's still, um, if they were doing a five panel drug screen pre-employment, they're still doing that. Um, we have had some in other industries like the food processing. You know, we've got a rural ERN in Oceana County with Arbor Farms, Peterson Farms, you know, so food processing companies, and they don't pre-screen, but they do at accident time uh, for exactly the same reason that Tom highlighted, because they don't have a workforce that they can be that selective because they know that people will fail. Um, so they've kind of moved toward that, you know, do it at time of accident versus, or suspicion. So if somebody, a supervisor thinks that somebody is has taken something then they'll do a random drug screen but they've taken that out of their pre-employment screen so and obviously healthcare is much more stringent uh and we do have some medical manufacturing that uh, and pharmaceuticals that obviously are are much more stringent as well so it's kind of across the board as far as the way the employers deal with that so Sarah and Teresa um, say how is workplace stability curriculum used in conjunction with an ERN? And Sarah, it just it helps um, create this understanding for management and supervisors about that difference in diversity based upon economic class, and that just like you might do something different uh, and work different with a millennial because that that you know the they, uh, their productivity points are, are different or motivation. So it's the same thing. You know, once you understand the environments of economic class and what individuals who live in different environments need to do to be successful and how business operates and the environment it operates in, then it helps create this um, landscape to do things differently. And ERN is um, one of those great, great, great tools to help do that. So James is going in and doing ERN and then backdooring the workplace stability. Other people do workplace stability as a way to open up the door for an ERN. Um, so we yeah, and I think for us, you know, we started on, you know, even though Cascade Engineering was working uh, in incorporating the hidden rules, they call it economic diversity at Cascade, um, we were having a challenge with the poverty, middle class, wealth language. And so we very much appreciate Ruth uh, doing the workplace stability because instability really resonates with business. And so we typically do a training for the uh, ERN members, which are typically the HR folks and strategic partners. 
and then they'll figure out how they want to incorporate it into their corporate culture. And many of them will still do a shared seat with the supervisors as they put them through the training so that they can kind of, again, share best practices and cross-pollinate uh, things across uh, various companies to learn from each other. And so we have several that are doing the four-hour session where they're doing two hours and then a week later doing two hours and then giving the supervisors homework to see if they can identify some of those challenges that employees may have and then dialogue about it at the second uh, session. So, um, so I think it's very flexible and really trying to build that awareness uh, with the, the managers. So. I'm going to encourage all of you to go to ern-usa.com to see where there are ERNs. There are uh, Toledo, Ohio, Marion, Ohio, um, and uh, there are other groups that are like sisters to Employer Resource Network. Um, and uh, across the country, uh, the, the one advantage to being part of ERN USA is that you get to um, you know, you have groups all over in various states. You get to share um, statistics of what's going on and share common practices and be part of that larger learning community as well. James, I don't know if you want to um, address Charger community to be an ERN or if you want to have discussion. We can have an offline discussion on you know, connecting into uh, the Michigan ERN group. Uh, but we do this morning before this webinar, we did have a uh, a national peer learning call where, you know, the lead organizations from each area and uh, Tanya and Nathan from New York were on the call where we just kind of talk about, you know, what's working, what's not working, how are you reaching out to business, you know, what are you doing as far as invoicing and pricing it. Um, we are working on uh, just connected with uh, Waco, Texas. So we are uh, making a foray down into Texas. Um, I saw Pima County Community College uh, last month. I was down in uh, Sawarita, which is uh, south of uh, Tucson, and I know that they're working on uh, a Tucson area ERN. Um, but uh, if anybody wants to explore, we don't really have anything in Maine yet. Uh, typically, what we would do is try to connect the closest ERN, like uh, the Capital Region ERN or Schenectady area ERN, who's close by, to try to to partner them up to, to try to get something going. And we've broken one of our hidden rules. We've kept you over the top of the hour. So um, we really thank you for that. And um, please email me with any questions that we may not have addressed for you. Thanks, folks.